This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Reel Down... Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to once again the Bass Guy Gapiers. Oh, brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paladin. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. What's going on, Facebook Live, YouTube listeners of the podcast? Welcome, Mr. Randall, Mr. Schiller. How I'm just going to call you Elk. <laughs> elk, call elk. me El- Elk Randall. <laughs> you're like you're like an elk attractant. It seems Dude. like lately. <clears throat> They're everywhere, dude. Oh, apparently where I am. Uh, yeah. Can't get away. Uh, trying to escape this weekend. We'll see. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about it tonight during the podcast, because I know you had uh, some interesting encounters with some very large animals. So, yeah. But uh, it should be fun, man. We got... Uh, I, I was looking back. I'm like, man, who have we not had on the podcast lately? That's just a badass, and we need to get back on, you know. And I was scrolling through, like, like I went back to the start of Paddle and Finn, and then like started scrolling. I'm like, we've talked to them, we've talked to, dude. We haven't talked to Tanner in forever, 
And it seems like every time I uh, open up Facebook, I see some badass photos of him, you know, out adventuring around in uh, the wilderness of Iowa, which, you know, Iowa, we think corn, but. Oh, dude. um, Yeah. Yeah. It's there's so much more there to offer. Iowa has so much to offer that people just don't realize. Sure. I mean, I've been out there with Tanner before, but Tanner, in my opinion, is like a true outdoorsman. Uh, every season, this dude is out there. He's doing it, um, and he does interesting stuff too. So it's not it, you know, it's not like your typical. Uh, I would say, e- uh, not easy, but more like uh, to the not so tough fisherman or hunter. Sure. You know, like you know, guy that likes to walk off like you know ten feet off the road and hunt. Uh, that's not Tanner. <laughs> i can tell you right now that's not tanner you know but uh yeah yeah definitely let's get him on here yeah let's uh we'll we'll bring tanner in here and uh hear about what he's been up to what he's been doing and and just catch up man it'll be exciting i know he's been uh catching some nice trout out there obviously bass but and that's the thing too he's a multi-species guy so that's like one thing i love about him you know he's not uh nailed down to like one particular thing so let's get the man in the house ladies and gentlemen mr tanner spidal what's up guys thanks did i say your last name right yeah you're good all right (laughs) i i never know i'm like is it spidal speedle speedle yeah (laughs) everybody gets it wrong but i'm used to it i I hear you man you guys aren't wrong about thinking Iowa's the land of corn. It's corn central around here. And right oh, now they're harvesting. So if you're going down the highway, there's going to be a combine or a couple of <laughs> tractors hauling some corn. So leave early. Yeah, leave early. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Everything has been great here. Um, fishing has been absolutely incredible this season, but we haven't got a lot of rain. So pretty much every the lakes, the streams, the ponds, everything, the rivers are low. So fish in the rivers are kind of confined to really certain areas because not a lot of places can hold fish. But this summer, my goal has been to see as many rivers as I can. I was kind of fishing the same rivers a lot and uh, I just wanted to see some new stuff. So I set a goal. So every weekend since early July, I've been trying new stretches of different rivers around Iowa that I've never done before. And it's just been crazy. And, you know, most people take advantage of these places or they don't take advantage of these places rather. So it's like, I've on, I've only met people on two trips the entire summer and most of them, you know, weren't even fishing. So it was like, Holy smokes, do people not even research or do they not even care about these rivers? But it's been, it's been great. No, that's definitely cool, man, that you've kind of made it a, a goal to hit a different, different body of water every weekend. Like, and that's phenomenal. And it, you know, like Jay and I have had that conversation about the public land in Wisconsin and even a lot of it in Illinois too. Like a lot of people don't realize that that's there mm-hmm. or they shy away from it because they think, well, it's public land. Everybody's going to be there. So, you know, it's going to be overrun or this or that. And like, 
I mean, Jay, how many times have we gone hunting, you know, or, or even, you know, fishing in some areas and not seen a person all day? Like, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that. We'll call that pre-COVID, <laughs> you know. <laughs> as soon as COVID happened, I don't know, man. It was uh, tucked away. I mean, granted, there are some more tucked away spots, but I remember specifically kayak fishing one day and party boater or whatever party floaters wow. came flying. I mean, like hundreds, you know. And they're just like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, just, we'll just have lunch, you know. Like we'll just have lunch, pal. <laughs> right, like, right. how do they know about this river? Like, how do they even know? <laughs> Okay, I want to say something funny. Um, there's actually a couple of rivers that I do fish when there's a lot of people. Because when there's a lot of people, like, not necessarily fishing, but just, like, floating and when they're partying, they kind of, like, push the fish to certain areas of the river. So it's funny. Like, they'll be like, why are you casting towards me or whatever? And it's like, I'm not yeah, casting yeah. towards you. You're pushing the smallmouth, like, right to where I am. And it's paid off <laughs> a couple of times. But that's, like, I don't advise going and fishing where a bunch of people are. It sucks. Oh, yeah. but it's just funny that they kind of do – push the fish i mean if it was a trout it'd be out of there you'd never oh, see yeah. that fish again but smallmouth they're not as shy sure but oh uh, sure one thing i want to touch on is like in all my posts you probably you guys probably see me like hashtag driftless area yep well the northeast portion of iowa is considered the driftless region and there's also a portion of wisconsin and illinois and minnesota that are in the driftless region too but glaciers never traveled over that area. So it's still mm -hmm. the rugged topography that it's been for, you know, close to a million years. And, you know, most of Iowa was totally flattened by glaciers. So sure. they don't have the beautiful features that northeastern Iowa has. And mm -hmm. most of the rivers in northeastern Iowa are um, spring fed. So we can actually have trout in a lot of these northernmost rivers. And it's really a treat. And, uh, for years, I was just staying on trout streams and stuff because, you know, that's where, you know, the trout are. But I've been um, investigating all these rivers in the region, too, and finding out that they are stuff full of trout, just like the streams. And one thing is for sure that I'm not going to stream fish anymore. If I can go kayak for trout, that's what yeah. I'm going to do. Heck yeah. And I fished in Wyoming before to catch trout, and that was just breathtaking but being able to do it in iowa is kind of like something i never really thought i'd be doing and just totally crushed it yeah it, it's super that whole driftless area is just super unique and beautiful you know like you know you touched on it right like the the glaciers never flattened it out like the rest of the midwest and when I got into fly fishing, I started uh, fly fishing the driftless, you know, up in that southwest Wisconsin area. And and I think they still do it. I haven't gone up in, in a few years, but um, they used to close their season in the winter, but Iowa kept it open. So, like, we were like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be 50 degrees this weekend in the middle of February. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to Iowa. And I, I was completely floored, right? Like, usually when I drive through Iowa, I'm on, uh, what is it, 80 or 88? It's 80. 80. Yeah. It's 80, yeah. Go through 80, and, like, you cross the Mississippi, and then it goes straight to cornfields, man, <clears throat> all the way through Nebraska on the way to Colorado, you know? But you get up in that northern part of Iowa, and it is so beautiful. Beautiful. It like, is. bluffs, rolling hills, um, that, that like you said the terrain is is super unique 
Yeah, the technical term for that area is a Paleozoic Plateau. And it's just really unique. I mean, there's people just in my area of Iowa that aren't really like even aware of what that is up there. And it just baffles me because we've got such a little piece of paradise up there. For sure. For sure. I mean, if, if you guys are listening or watching and you're from like the South or, you know, out West or maybe the Northeast, like, I mean, picture like upstate New York, right. But like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just a fan of our area. I think it's more beautiful here, but you know, whatever, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but it's kind of similar to that. Like, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, like upstate New York, like that upper Northeast area, like is what it really reminds me of. But um, this summer I did close to 120 miles of river, which, you know, not really. I mean, when you think about, you could be, it might take a few hours to fish a mile. Sometimes you might find a good hole and spend three hours there. So just 120 miles might've been many, many hours of actually fishing, but uh, I've ridden my bike about 60 miles in my shuttles. And it's kind of fun doing this because I, uh, I research my stretches really well on Onyx and I figure out like where I'm going to park my bicycle. Sure. And one thing I never do is I never look at the elevation of my rides on the shuttle. Cause I don't want to like, I'm not going to do that stretch because there's a bunch of big Hills and this is a really hilly area too. I just kind of like, surprise myself when I go there because I don't want to not do a stretch just because I'm going to have to work on the way back but it's Mm kind of cool you get two different trips you get your kayak fishing trip and you get your bicycle ride pretty much on gravel roads or whatever so you're it's really neat I've seen a lot of stuff just on my bike ride back but another thing that's funny is people see me out in the middle of nowhere in my bicycle (laughs) and I'm not really one to ride a bicycle on a road I like trails and stuff and uh they're just like, what the heck's this kid doing out here? They have no idea that I'm probably like kayak fishing and shuttling back through their area because nobody does it. And I, I think people are going to start to catch on in a few of the stretches just because how simple it is to shuttle with a bicycle and, you know, lock your stuff up or carry your carry whatever important stuff with you back to your truck. But it's just a lot of fun. That's super cool. Well, you do some cool stuff too because you got like that little enduro uh dirt bike too right like where you're doing a lot of a lot of backwoodsy backcountry type stuff too right well i've got a kawasaki klr 650 and a versus 650 but the klr had really big plans this summer i was going to ride the trans wisconsin adventure trail but i got too hooked into kayaking these rivers so i never got to it but I, do, I have ridden a lot on my enduro bike. It's it's a lot of fun, but I need to take it somewhere other than, you know, a 500-mile radius around here because there's just cooler stuff a little farther out. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. No, that's cool. I've never heard of that trail before. What's what's that all about? Um, it's a pretty cool trail. It starts in Illinois, actually, and it ends up, up at Lake Superior. Um a lot of people do, and it's kind of got a bad acronym if you think about what Trans Wisconsin Adventure Trail <laughs> comes to. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, it's a really, really fun time. I've done a lot of research, just haven't pulled the trigger and taken a few days. Like my plan would always be to burn it up, check out Lake Superior, probably go to Duluth and maybe a little bit further, <clears throat> and then just burn it back down on hard tops because 
you're gonna I'm gonna be a little tired after that ride. Oh, it's, it's, it's like a three three day comfortable ride up and up there at least, so I could probably come back in a day. You ever been up to Duluth? Yeah, I have. I, oh, I okay. love it up there. It's just beautiful. Have you been beyond there, like and gone more north? Uh, yeah, wow. I have a. I've been up to the Gunflint Trail, and uh, my dad's taken me there on vacation a few times. But every time we go, it's like late in the fall, and uh, the fish are yeah. out deep, and I never had any luck fishing. I always like need to go back to the Northwoods for redemption up there. But yeah, that's a nice that's a nice stretch. I mean, I guess I've never driven in California, but I would cons- I would compare it to how the views probably look in California when you're driving along the lake, which would be the ocean in California. Right. But, but I mean, like, you know how it winds in and out, it's got like the, the cliffs and it's, it's, it's cool pretty, too. it's still pretty mountainous up there, which is kind of neat. Like a lot of rugged rocks. Yeah. There's like yeah. in the UP, there's the porcupine mountains. Those are pretty cool, but yeah. they're just kind of like not mountains like a person from out West would think of, but yeah. Mountains yeah. for us flatlanders. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's like bigger than like a foot off the ground, that's a mountain. Oh my god! <laughs> That's what we call mountains. You know, people. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you gain a hundred feet in elevation, you just yeah. you just yeah. went up the mountain. I, I love when they call them like bluffs. They're like, no, it's a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a lot of cool bluffs in the Driftless region. Like, I've had to hike up to some, like quite a few, without trails, and it's it's always a good time. And uh, believe it or not, but we actually have timber rattlers in the northeastern part of Iowa. They're really rare, but we do have a small population of them. Yeah, I know you. I think we talked about that on the last show. How how much you run into snakes because you 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 kind of work in wells and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny. Uh, this last fall, the property owner was taking down their well pit. They were going to move the system inside, and uh, there was like a hundred fox snakes that had a nest in this well pit. Well, I saved like everyone that I could and I took them to another place that they could winter at. And everybody there was definitely afraid of them. And it was cold outside. So these things were really inactive. And I was literally grabbing handfuls of snakes, putting them in a bucket and taking them. We, my dad and I took them somewhere else, but let me, let me just, tell you. just kind of like ex, like use the excavator and dig them up. And I wasn't about that. Yeah, Brian would love to help yeah. you next time. No, I'll pass. I'll <laughs> oh, those pass. things like, wouldn't even try to bite you. They're, they were really inactive and just trying to stay warm. But I like snakes. I think they're cool. I know in the southern snakes, I wouldn't want to be going around playing with snakes. You'd end up in the hospital. But <laughs> yeah. here in Iowa, we're pretty pretty fortunate. And for all the yeah. people saying that, I saw a water moccasin in Iowa. No, you didn't. There's no yeah. water moccasins here. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I know most of the snakes up here are pretty, pretty harmless. You know, there there are a few, you know, like you mentioned, the rattlers and things like that that can get a little hairy, right? But yeah, I remember that. That's one thing I remember from our last podcast. You were talking about those things, and my skin was just like crawling. I'm like, oh, <laughs> dude, no. I, I I was walking around the woods up here, and I'm like, uh, can't. I mean it's been getting pretty cold so i'm pretty sure they're not out but still like i'm still thinking like a northerner and just trotting around the woods like not not a you know not paying attention yeah it's gonna get me it's like i you would think i would have learned that lesson already once but you know like the woods are out to get you everybody stay out of the woods (laughs) (laughs) 
No, it's it's wild, man. I mean, it's it's crazy how we have these different species, or I guess uh, it's same species but different uh, types. And it's like you can go, you know, twelve hours south, and there's a whole different type that could kill you. You know, so it, it's crazy. Like I always. Like anytime I go out west, like Vegas, things like that, like I always like to go out to like Red Rock Canyon, Hoover Dam, things like that, and walk around a little bit. And I always got to remember, like, oh shit, there's rattlesnakes out here. Like you should be scanning the ground, paying attention to what's oh, going yeah. on in your surroundings. You know what I mean? Like you just never know. Yeah, I did a wilderness first aid course last winter, and the instructor has a place down in Arkansas. And okay. Uh, he was talking about how he bought a cabin out there and there were just, he took like three dozen poisonous snakes out from underneath of his cabin. Like the first night that he came back after a long weekend of being away, it was just like, you don't mess with the snakes there. And <laughs> I, I just can't even imagine that just because the snakes here are so harmless, but sure. Oh my gosh. And you know, our friends in Australia and stuff, we kind of give them a hard time. Jay, <laughs> You know who I'm talking about, and I'm always giving them a hard time about snakes and stuff. Oh yeah, well that they got that crazy spider season. Oh yeah. Oh, in Australia. Oh my god, dude, it's horrible. Like, it looks like uh, there's no like the parks. Like the one thing I always, I think we've all seen this picture too. They show a a picnic table in a park, and it is covered. Like you can barely see the the picnic table, and it's I'm like that's. No, that's horrifying. I don't know. <laughs> Not me. It's like they got those funnel spiders out there, too. Yeah, those are kind Ooh. of crazy. Yeah. I saw some pretty big spiders on the river trips this year, but they don't really bother me. I just scoop them off of the paddle. You have those big, uh, like the hunter spiders along the water's edge. Those things are like a wolf yeah. spider on steroids. Oh, my. God. They got those in Florida, dude. Like. There was one at this house we were staying at. The, the guy literally tells me, he goes, because we were staying at someone's house. And he's like, hey, if you see um, a big brown spider, don't worry, it won't bite you. I'm like, what do you mean a big? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, what do you mean a big brown spider? He's like, oh, yeah, it's just like you're one of the huntsman spiders. It's, you know, they like to hang out like in the showers. I'm like, so I'm not taking a shower this weekend? Like, what's going on? And he's like, literally, he said this thing was crawling around the house. I never saw it, thank God. But those things can get as big as dinner plates. <sighs> Like, I mean, I'm okay with spiders to an extent, you know, but something like that, dude, I don't oh, know. Man. Even if it ain't going to bite me. Uh, yeah, uh, I feel like spiders as long as they're not, like, where I'm sleeping. Yeah. I mean, I was in New Mexico. When I lived in New Mexico, there was tarantulas. That wasn't such a big deal, I guess, but check your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> check your shoes. <laughs> yeah, but I want to tell you about some of the rivers that I've been on this season, though. Um, I've been doing this little river called the Volga River, and uh, it's a beautiful little river. I've done like mm, probably close to 20 miles of that so far, and um, it is really, really hard to float because it averages like a foot deep, and that's like oh, wow. giving it a little bit. And uh, but you'll be on that river, and there's just it, it's pretty much rock bottom the entire time, like r flat rock shelf bottom and all the rocks there really, really jagged and stuff. Like it's just a really rugged little area. Like dragging your kayak is your poor kayak's going to take a little abuse there. 
but it'll just be flat nothing and you'll catch a lot of little itty bitty smallmouth and some rock bass and stuff but then you'll get into a big hole then you'll see a small like smallmouth bass that are like 18 to 18 and bigger like you can just see them and know compared to what you've been catching mm-hmm. and uh, they're so finicky like a trout and if you float in on them in your kayak and you see those smallmouth you know they see you and it's game over i hardly caught any of those big smallmouth but like i know on those rivers like if i floating downstream if i see a good hole up ahead i'll just anchor and just bomb casts out there and hope that a small one doesn't get my bait first and teach the big one a lesson but it's been wild. Like most people go to that river and be like, Oh, dinker, 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 dinker. Like this is just a river full of small fish. But if they floated it and saw those holes, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, that mm-hmm. small mouth was the biggest one I've ever seen. And it, it blew my mind the first time. Like I wasn't expecting to see bass of that size, but the more, you know, and you go and see the offbeat places. <clears throat> well, and that, re- cool. and that requires your travel, like through, I mean, to explore. Cause like you said, you know, it's, I think some of the most more accessible spots are going to be like super shallow, like off roads and whatnot. And, and I mean, you got to go to the holes. That's where, you know, that's where all the bigger stuff's going to be. So unless you're willing to, t- you know, trek into there and, and get a little venture, like the Muskegon river is a lot like that where it's got, you know, it, it'll be shallow. And then there's this crazy deep hole, um, you know, that's, you know, at least like 12 feet deep. I mean, and we've seen it on the Collins together, kind of the same deal you know, where it's, you know, all those bigger fish are just, you know, in those areas. And if you're not willing to trek out there, you won't see them. No. And um, all these rivers that I've been fishing, they're pretty much crystal clear too. So, and that's a real treat for Iowa because the vast majority of the rivers, they're pretty turbid, but it's, it's cool. Um, I don't know where I, I went to a, I do all my research on onyx and stuff. So I'm just looking at the segments on aerials and, you know, you get a pretty good idea on everything. You can put the topo on there and you can tell like, that's a good little Valley through there. And you know, you're probably going to see some bluffs and cool features, but I got to this one park and uh, I saw the park ranger. And if I ever see a ranger at any of the parks, like I go and stop and talk to him and just tell him like, Hey, if you see me in the area, I'm just kayak fishing these rivers or whatever, you know, like introduce myself and, you know, just so if they see your truck down at the river, nobody's around overnight or sure. you know, they just have a general idea what you're doing. But I asked him about this stretch. I was like, you know, how many people kayak or canoe this? Like, this must be super popular because this is beautiful. And he's like, well, you're probably the first person that's going to, you know, the first person I've seen doing it, you know, this year. And I'm just like, really? Because that was the most beautiful to the, like, my whole season, that was the most beautiful little stretch that I did. And it might not have been, I caught a, probably close to a hundred rock bass, no, not really much size, but it was still like the best, most beautiful little stretch of river I did all year. And, you know, him saying that nobody's been there, it was just That's like crazy, crazy. And it's just absolutely wild. But like I said, most people be like, yeah, don't go there. You'll just catch small yeah. fish and, you know, most people, most of the time, people don't know what they're talking about. Well, just think too, you, you may have caught what you probably did, um, fish that have never been caught. Yeah. You know what I mean? That could be true to an extent. I do know some, I have some older fishing friends here in Iowa and you know, they're big river rats too. They're mostly fly fishing and stuff, but you know, not totally, but they've been to a lot of these rivers and I'm kind of just like in some of the spots I'm walking in their footsteps 
but they've been asking me on Facebook, like, where are you, where are you been fishing, catching those fish? So it's like, yeah. those guys don't recognize some of these features <laughs> that I've been posting. It was like, I'm doing some good things. Like, yeah, I've got some pretty good idols to follow in their footsteps and hopefully be like them someday. That's cool, man. I, I used to follow a guy up in Wisconsin and, and it was cool, man, because you had like a lot of the guys, uh, you know, this is back when forums were like a thing, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, guys, all the fly fishermen would get upset with this guy because he was fishing these areas and, you know, taking pictures, posting them and stuff. And, a lot of the fly fishing guys were like, you know, why are you posting that? You're going to ruin that spot. And and it was funny. And he put it right there on the forum board. And he's like, you know what? If somebody finds this spot, good for them. Because I know how big of a pain it is to get back there, you know, by foot. And, um, you know, and that's just it. A lot of people don't want that effort, you know, to get back mm-hmm. to those spots and, I think we all miss out on, on a lot of beautiful things. Like you're saying, like one of the best stretches of streams you paddled all season and you know, the, the, uh, uh, park rangers telling you like, yeah, nobody's paddled this. Like, you know, you're probably the only one that's, that's pretty cool, man. There's something to be said about that. It's, people just take some of the best stuff for granted and it's cool to go and figure it out for yourself that it's, you know, way better than you expected. But, um, this past weekend I floated a mile and I did three floats this past weekend. And the first day I did this pretty big float and I wasn't quite satisfied. The next morning I did a small section of a river that I needed to had this tiny little segment that I needed to do. And I did the whole upper portion of it. And, uh, I actually, kind of waded upstream with my kayak to get to this pool and I caught two really big trout like my first few casts and it was like oh my whole day is made now I kind of like got some of the trout that I wanted I'm making a trout video and this was kind of you know I just all these big trout help so I was like I have the whole day to spend well I floated that little segment it was kind of fishy little trout it was really scenic but not very fishy and after that I got a wild hair to drive an hour and a half north to float downstream a mile and a half to fish this one area only to paddle back up a mile and a half. (laughs) It was a place that I've had that goal to do it there for quite a long time. And it was just like the time I was just always busy doing other stuff in that area. I didn't want to do that little stretch. I get to the boat landing and I'm looking down there, down at the bottom and that water is just rolling. And I'm just like, I go and walk and, look at the look downstream okay there's some slack water along the banks i can kind of i'll be able to paddle against that and i i floated down to the spot i wanted to catch trout at and uh i lost a big one right off the bat of course but i got really good gopro footage of it so at least i have a little bit of it and i ended up catching a few few other big trout and the paddle back was pretty horrible but it's one of those times where you're so happy that you just caught some big fish you're kind of laughing the whole way <laughs> and i drove home smiling from that one too but it's just cool to push the envelope on stuff you thought would have been too hard or you know too difficult to try to do by yourself and thankfully sometimes i have my best friend to help me out with some of these trips but most all the time i'm solo so i got to 
plan ahead and figure out how I'm all doing this stuff down to a T. Otherwise I can kind of get myself into trouble sometimes. What, what kind of got you into like just going off and exploring this stuff? Was it like something like you did as a kid or is it just, just curiosity got the best of you and you just started scoping it? Both my parents are really outdoorsy and, um, always took me outside as a kid and stuff, but both my parents are really independent too. Um, we just kind of like doing our own thing. And most people would complain or, Oh, you're going to, most people just aren't about getting out of the truck and walking a path, you know? And my parents always has taught me to do what I like doing. Um, when I was a really little kid, my parents would get phone calls from other parents in town. Like, your son's down at the river fishing by himself or something like that. <laughs> and my parents would be like, he's fishing. Like he's fine. Like we know what he's, I didn't need a babysitter. I was, you know, dunking worms all day. I was pretty primitive at that point, but I was still fishing a lot. Sure. It's just never, never changed. And both my parents have done a lot of crazy trips and stuff. And it's just like, I always try to like be like one up in them. I mean, they've traveled a lot around the country a lot more than I have. I'm kind of like, stuck around the Midwest pretty much. Sure. But uh, I try to like explore everything around here. So it's kind of cooler to know your homeroom, like the back of your hands, but I've been trying to like see all these other rivers that I haven't been to before. So it's like my range and knowledge of all these rivers around Eastern Iowa is just getting better and better. Well, yeah. And I was kind of curious about that. You know, you mentioned your folks and I've seen some photos that you've posted recently that, you know, like you did a float trip with your mom and uh, another that was one. The best. What's that? That was the absolute best. Yeah. It, it's cool to see that. Like I saw that photo and I was like, man, I wish I could get my folks in a kayak. Like there's no way my old man would flip over and be drenched before we even like pushed off the shore. It'd be like carrying the boat. He'd trip and fall into the water. You know, right. that, that would ruin it, you know. But it's super cool, man. And it's it's awesome to see, you know, your folks, you know, still out there get getting it and, you know, going out with you and sharing time on the water. And I know that's one thing I've really valued these past, like, year and a half, being able to fish with the old man again out on the water, dude. It's uh, It's so cool. So cool. Yep, I've got some awesome parents. They used to do a lot of canoeing and stuff. My dad always dunked the canoe. Um, it's kind of weird for them to get on fishing kayaks and be like, weird, you don't dunk these things. like you would, <laughs> you know? But um, it's great. I love taking my dad fishing. Um, my, dad is, I, my dad is my biggest sponsor, not going to lie. My dad has always helped me with all my anything I've ever been into. And just thankfully, I have parents that are really supportive of all the stuff that I do. It's great. I really love them. That's awesome, man. That's super cool. Super cool, man. I definitely, uh, I definitely feel you on that. Um, so like you're doing a lot of this stuff by yourself. Like what's, I mean, let's get some valuable less life lessons out of this, right? Like what are some things you've learned where you've like maybe got into some hairy spots you know, where it's like, oh, no, I might be in a little bit of trouble. Or what are you doing to prevent yourself from getting to that point? Oh, gosh, it's hard to say. You always I'm the type of person that always learns the lesson the hard way. 
Sure. I get in a Perry situation once, and it's kind of like I always prepare for that afterwards. But um, biggest thing is keeping everything tight in your kayak. I mean, if you do dump, you don't lose everything. Um, in my trip, I mean, I as soon as it starts cooling off, I'm always taking you know the dry clothes and towels and stuff. You don't want to wear a cotton on the water ever. Um, this is to no no. You're going to be cold and damp the whole rest of the time. I take a lot of I take a dry box with like a fire starter, signal flares, um, an emergency blanket, just all the little rudimentary survival gear. Um, I mean, I have the whole plethora of stuff in my truck for actual camping, but I do carry my little survival kit in my kayak. Um, if I'm ever with a friend, um, we always have walkie talkies. That's a really big thing. A lot of the times we get separated and if I come across a deadfall or something, I'm going to radio my buddy and be like, Hey, you know, warn them. Cause there's sometimes people get into hairy situations Sure. Um, on a lot of these little rivers that I've been on. There's been a lot of blind, hairy corners and stuff. So you'll come around a blind corner. There'll be a deadfall and it's just like never a fun time. Um, that was that particular instance was on the yellow river in Iowa which is the fastest flowing river in Iowa, plus has the highest elevation drop out of any river in Iowa. And it was as crazy. It's just a little, looks like a little trout stream, but it's just got a lot of water moving at all times. I think it typically runs at like 150 to 200 cubic feet per minute. And it's just a beautiful place, but it runs fast enough that if you get into a hairy predicament, like a deadfall or whatever, you got to think really fast. Um, yeah, I mean, guys that fish, like, normal, like, wide rivers, you know, like, and they may not think 100 or 200 CFS is, you know, a lot. But when you're on a small stream like that, that wa- that water's moving, man. You got to keep that in mind, like, or account for that, you know, like, the, the width and the depth of that stream. So, I, like like I told you earlier, man, like I've fly fished a couple of those streams and they're not super deep, you know, and they're not super wide. Like there's somewhere you could like virtually jump across, you know, Yeah, for sure. But, um, another important thing that I recommend is like always let somebody know where you're at. Um, hopefully do it before the trip. A lot of these places don't have uh, reception. So try to do that beforehand. But one thing that I've started to do is leaving notes in the window of my truck letting people know what I do. Mm-hmm. I've had people call the cops on me before of where I'm parked and, you know, they don't know what I'm doing. And I'll leave a note like, hey, this is Tanner Spidell. I'm fishing. Here's my phone number. Please call me with any issues or anything like that. Just so I don't have the sheriff's department call me thinking that I'm stranded out on the river somewhere because it happened once last July. And it was kind of, it, it was a funny situation, but, you know, it was just, it could have been avoided if I would have left a note. So just another thing. It's good to let people know, like your family and friends, know where you're going before your river trips. Just so, if you something did happen, people have a general idea idea of where you're at. We got to hear that story. Uh, but but before we do, like, I'm glad you mentioned that because I something that's been like hitting me pretty hard this past week is. Uh, uh, the Seek One guys, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with them, they do, you know, a YouTube channel. It's it's mostly focused on bow hunting. <clears throat> and they had a guy on uh, last, I think it was last week. And uh, this dude 
didn't tell anybody where he was going like told his family he was going hunting and uh but didn't tell them where they knew like a general area but this area was a couple square miles right and uh dude got went up got in his tree stand was going to buckle in and like tree stand wiggled stepped out of the tree stand fell uh, hit a branch on the way down, which broke his back. And then when he hit the ground, it broke his neck. And he laid there for what, what was it, Jay? Like two days or something? Yeah. Before somebody, they found him. He busted up some ribs and yeah, he, he did a lot more than just the back of the neck. Like that's not the, well, I wouldn't say that's not the worst of it, but no, no, no. But it paralyzed him. Happened. Yeah. And he had his phone in his pocket, but couldn't, he couldn't move. get it. He and said he, it was getting cold at night and he couldn't, yeah, he he just tried to like move himself, but he's like he couldn't even do that to stay warm. And oh, yeah. That's yeah, he's. I mean, and he said he was thinking about like you know because you hear about the stories because there are plenty out there about coyotes finding it, you know, finding you and sure, you know, um, there's a similar one where about an older guy that fell out of a tree didn't tell him where he was going, broke his leg, and then he and he's an older guy, and um, he basically would you know had to end up crawling out there, but coyotes found him. Yeah, and he had to fight off coyotes. Hmm. So you know, so it's like there's all this. I mean, you're, I mean, because like you enter the food chain, right? Like we oh. think we're we think we're at the top, but you get hurt. Like you have now entered the food chain. You know, yeah. depending on where you're at. <laughs> yeah, it was just you know it really hit home because like you know I'll, I'll go out hunting or fishing you know sometimes and I'm like yeah I'm going up to Wisconsin. Cause I live on the Illinois Wisconsin border. Right. And it, and you know, Wisconsin can mean a lot of different places, you know, and, and my wife knows like the general area, but you know, I, I remember last year I started sending her pins from my mm-hmm. on X like, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going to be. I'll call you when I get in the truck and I'm on the way home and yep. we can figure out dinner or something, but I did it more for, you know, Hey, if something were to happen, you know, where to come, pick up my body at least <laughs> you know what i mean but i mean it, it's one of those things you don't really think about sometimes you know like it used to be the same when i fished tournaments you know i would i would shoot a pin to my wife or or my old man and just be like hey you know this is where i'm gonna launch today you know i'm gonna go scope out this area of the lake just in case something you know because a lot of times i was pre-fishing by myself things like that like you never know what could happen, you know, especially in a, in an unfamiliar place too. Yeah. I mean, even moving to Tennessee, I do the same thing, <clears throat> you know, like where my tree stands going to be or where I'm going to scope. I always leave those coordinates now. And, and the thing I've always found, uh, you know, when you go out is you always get hurt doing the most mundane things. Mm-hmm. Sure. It, it's yeah. never like I've done some stupid crap with, Brian, like we're, I've had to like scale stuff. I just would never do with my bow and everything. Like, I mean, we've just been in some nutty stuff and I, and everything worked out. And I remember talking to myself, like, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like telling myself this as I'm doing it, but you know, that would fine. But it's always like this stupid little things that you just don't like tripping on like a root. Sure. I mean, it, it that could take yeah. you out. You just don't realize, you know, or doing something stupid, like, you know, oh man, I'm even sorry to say, <clears throat> you know, almost stabbing myself with my own broadhead, you know, yeah. just not thinking about, and we're talking about in the armpit, which is 
pretty much oh, death. That's yeah. death. I mean, yeah. that's in two minutes you're gone. You know what I mean? But it's like stuff like that. I mean, and, and obviously nobody's going to save you at that point, but at least they know where to come get you. But point being is there's so much that can happen from your own decisions, from nature just reaching out and grabbing you. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen out there ever. And if you're alone, you got to have like some kind of a backup plan or at least have somebody know where you're at. I mean, sure. I just don't see any other way of going into the woods these days without doing that. We got a uh, Rami Yak Bass in, in the house. Hope you're good, man. But uh, he says he does the same when he heads out solo. He he sends his wife or a cousin a pin. You yep. just never know. So, yeah, yeah so man. Be safe and let other people know where you're at. Yeah. Well, and especially like you're talking, man, like you're out exploring rivers. And like you said, you come around a blind corner and there's a huge strainer there, man. Like that could be a really, really hairy scenario. Oh, for sure. If you get your stuff tangled, if you get your kayak tangled most of that, like how would you ever get it out? Like Like, you might not see your kayak ever again in some of those places. And I've had to pull a swamp kayak out of a river before and I needed like six slings and a come along. And it took me a long time. And after I, like I got the kayak out of the river over the bank and then it took me a while just to flip it over and get all the water out of it. Sure. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So, so how did you get yourself stuck out there one one time last season? This is it's stuck, or did it, the, you mean when I when the sheriffs came to find me? When the sheriff came to find you? Well, I was just camping along a river. Um, uh, really popular. Well, not popular, but it's a good, notorious good river. And um, I'm just camping along the river like I always would. And uh, it's like midnight. I'm sitting there in my hammock, and I hear a hear something driving down the trail. I'm like, okay, there's some kids out riding the side by side. And all I see is lights and every just headlights. And all of a sudden, the guys get off, and they're like, "Hey, are you Tanner?" And I'm like, "Yeah, what's up, guys?" And you know, I figured they saw my truck covered with stickers and were locals and knew who I was. And uh, they're like, "We've been looking for you." And I was like, "Why?" Then I look and see there was three sheriffs on a side by side. We've been trying to find you for hours. I'm like, for what? Is my family okay? Is everything all right? And they're like, no, we thought something happened to you. It was kind of suspicious that you were parked there. And my fishing rods and everything are like, oh, my stuff's like perfectly set up for the morning. And I was like, no, I'm just going fishing in the morning, camping here. And they're like, really? Like, They've never seen anybody do that there. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you're not why aren't you sitting on your couch in your house? Yeah. <laughs> That's how people fish these days. Yeah. It, it was fourth of July, so they had no idea what was going on there. But, sure. Well, they just kind of said, Well, have a good night or whatever. And they drove off laughing. And it was funny. That trail was really hairy and they had to back up for like a thousand feet before they could even turn that thing around but they were laughing the whole way and afterwards i'm just sitting there like Did that really happened yeah and afterwards like that's what sparked me to write the thing on my truck like the sheriff could have called me and i would have been they could have said whatever like you can't camp or whatever it may be or just what are you doing and yeah. i would gladly told them and oh i'll come talk to you if you you know whatever it's fine but that's what led me to start leaving notes on stuff it was funny well, at the same aspect too, it's it 
that's kind of got to be reassuring too, right? Like there's people watching out for people in those areas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not the greatest thing to just, you know, yeah. you're in your element out in the middle of nowhere and now you got three sheriffs knocking on your hammock. You got, but you got well, Karen's in the woods. But the thing about this particular situation was that there was a really fancy house kind of by where I was. And I'm willing to bet that they just called the cops. That there was somebody parked at this oh, park. Always they, the rich people. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They're like, I don't know, man. We want to know now, but uh, it it, it was fine. Nothing that came of it. So it was just kind of a weird night because I camp every weekend and have never had any issues ever. And that was the one time that cops stopped me. That's wild, though, that they were searching for you for hours, man. The one thing that was kind of a nuisance was they called, like, they ran my number, found my family. They called like all my family at like one or it was like midnight or one in the morning. Oh, I was like, really? You called my mom at one in the morning looking, asking about me. I was like, Oh, she's going to be so upset. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get in trouble for my mom where I don't yeah. live anymore. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I know. Why are that the cops calling me? What'd you do? Yeah. Why are the cops calling me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tanner. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No, man. I mean, yeah, there's pros and cons to that, right? But it, it's good that, you know, they. it seemed like, I mean, I would say, like, if you were kind of up in my area or neck of the woods, like, they might look for you for an hour. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's gone. You know, and again, I mean, I guess if it's that time of night and they can't get a hold of anybody, I could see them maybe, you know, searching a little longer. But, you know, it's uh, like I said, man, on the flip side, had something happened to you. Right. And you were kind of in distress out there, man. At least they're they're coming out checking on you, too. Yeah. They did a good job. They're okay. Yeah. One weird thing about me this season, though, is like I haven't really fished for northern pike. Um, Earlier in the summer, I was fly fishing, and I caught a handful of them just on accident while I was topwater fishing for bass. But um, I haven't really caught – I've caught a handful of big trout, and that's just big by my own standard. They're pretty small by other state standards. and uh, But maybe I'll break away and get to fish for some pike this fall. Um, I've had friends t- texting me like, hey, the pike are biting. And it's like, I've got a different goal right now. I don't want to <laughs> pike out of my judgment. And kind of one cool thing about the pike is I know where they live. They're going to be there for and, a considerable amount of time, hopefully. So, And they're like, always biting. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The best thing about pike, though, is even if you see one or miss one, it'll be back. Like, you can cast 100 times and it'll it'll be there soon. It's not like a musky where you some horrible story where it, it it follows and you never saw it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're catching a lot of, you know, like you said, big for your area trout. Like it I if my memory serves me correct, like I always got a pretty stellar trout stocking program, right? To kind of like re, you know, get these streams back to what they used to be back in the day, right? Yeah, I mean, we didn't naturally have, like, rainbow and brown trout, of course, like, especially brown trout, but um, we did have a, a natural population of brook trout, and actually sure. there are a few streams here that still sustain some of those trout, 
And uh, they really don't know how they ever got to Iowa. You know, settlers always like to move fish, but these were dated back a, a very long time. So they kind of proved that it couldn't have been settlers bringing them here. And we, at this point, we only stock like catchable size rainbow trout. We actually have the brood stock too, that they release a few of those for people to catch. But about 10 years ago, they stopped stocking brown trout because of a lot of our cold water rivers took to them really well. And, you know, brown trout can survive in some warmer of, waters, right? Yeah, a lot of water that brook trout definitely couldn't find acceptable and rainbow would have a hard time. The other weekend I fished a stretch of river and all the rainbows were kind of stunted. So I don't know, my guess was it was a little too, I mean, if they would have got too warm, they would have been dead, but I don't know. It was just like, maybe that was like a hard to sustain stretch for those rainbow because everyone that I caught and they were different ages, they were all just really like skinny and slender, but maybe, maybe there's another reason for that, but they were, it was a weird little stretch of stunted rainbows. Huh. But um, our stocking programs are pretty cool. They release all the dates when they stock and where they're going to stock at. People follow them and they, you know, fish those streams that day. Um, there is a lot of unannounced stocking as well. So people aren't always chasing the stock truck, but we're, we're really, really fortunate to have these stocking programs. Yeah. I mean, the, the couple of trips that I went over there uh, to, to fly fish the driftless, like, it was incredible, man. You would walk the banks and then you would just stumble on some holes that, I mean, you could see 50, 60 fish just chilling. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, this is paradise. Like, and yeah, granted, like you said, like stalkers, 10 to 12 inches, but like catching a dozen 10 to 12 inches on a fly rod, on a lightweight fly rod is a, it's a lot of fun. It's a gas, you know, like you can't beat that. But that's interesting. They stopped stocking the Browns. Um, it that's that's cool that they took so well to that area that like they don't even have to stock them anymore. That's awesome. It really is, and that's cool. When I'm catching some of these, I've only, my biggest brown mm-hmm. trout this season was only 22 inches. But you know, it's cool to think that a lot of those are like natural and their surroundings now it's not one that just got dumped out of the stock truck and sure it's cool that's kind of why i'm just targeted targeting specifically um brown trout and um in one of the rivers i've been fishing they're having brown trout caught up to 28 inches and i can't even you know that 28 inch brown trout would dwarf any bass that you could catch around the area and it's kind of just like it blows our mind that there's trout so much bigger than our other game fish here, but you know, I'm hoping to catch something two foot or better. That's kind of what my goal is. And um, I've had some hooked and they got off and that's kind of what keeps me going. But I know if I keep grinding, I'll eventually get one. Hopefully. (laughs) It's, it's cool. That guy I was talking about earlier back in the forum days, man, like he knew where some big trout lived in Wisconsin and uh, he's got mul- multiple uh, 28 plus inch uh, trout that he's caught up there, both on conventional and fly rod. But um, yeah, man, it, it's unique. Like I remember in this guy's written some books too. Uh, his name's Len Harris. And uh, it, it was unique to hear his perspective on those big trout. He's like, once you spot one, 
you know where that fish lives. Like they're not, they're not like deer, like during the rut, like traveling 10, 20 miles away, you know, like usually those fish are sticking to that, like small area. That's, that's their home. They know there's food there, things like that. Unless like something dramatic happens to that water level, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you wouldn't think of it like we talked about earlier too, man. Like some of these streams, dude, you could like virtually jump across and there's giants living in there and, oh, and you yeah. would never expect it. <clears throat> never expect it. I'm always surprised by some of the big fish in these small streams. And um, I always had a lot of like stream improvement where they put undercut banks and stuff like that. And big fish can hide underneath those. That's awesome. I want to go back to how you talked about the, fly fisherman getting kind of upset about him burning spots by posting stuff on the internet. And uh, I have to kind of Facebook and people just sharing places has put a lot of pressure on a lot of places. I mean, it's really, really cool that people are getting outdoors and exploring for their, themselves and stuff and finding these, but goodness, Facebook is a kind of a double-edged sword. It could also lead the wrong people to some of these places where they're going to leave it in a state less than what they found it as. Yeah. Sure. Um, some of our trout streams have a lot of trash issues and just people being really disrespectful of the areas. So um, in all my posts, I leave where I am to speculation. For those who know where I'm at, they know and, you know, they might message me or whatever. And there are people that message me like, hey, where are you? And I'll tell them like people that I trust and stuff that are going to, you know, respect these places. But I just don't, I try not to blow up spots. And another cool thing is the people that I'm friends with for some, around some of these areas that I fish, I think that they're, they kind of like that I'm not ripping their places up too. I mean, I am fishing them, but I'm not saying everybody come to spot X and fish because there's a lot of good fishing. Yeah. It's just like sure. people need to, get out and search for these places themselves. Um, it's better if you figure out something for yourself rather than somebody's telling you it's a hot spot. Cause I mean, it just depends on what a guy wants to do, but it's kind of cool to go and figure it out for yourself. Yeah. I just pull up his Facebook page. I'm going to see if I could find one of these giant trout to show you, you know, down here, Tanner, there's like 30 inch rainbows and Browns. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, and oh. of course, there's striper in there, too, so there's some big old striper. Oh, it's crazy. I remember the last time I was in Tennessee, I, w I need to go back so bad, but how one river would have trout, you cross a hill, and, like, that's a that river has musky and everything else with the potential to have trout, and it was just, like, yep. just baffles me. Here's a couple hammer handles. This is one. This guy takes a lot of guys out, too, up there. That was a good I mean, one couple of real nut tiger, that's a trout. tiger trout right there yeah. that's a cool one that's a big tiger trout too that's the one jd's trying to find over in south carolina but yeah it's neat i mean just some just some tanks you know this guy did a little bit of guiding up there and and stuff like that but i mean he's he's got a a record for like just finding some big just dainty trout man there's a, there's some beautiful places and brown just trout in general are pretty but just the paint jobs on brown trout oh they're so cool how unique they all are um, 
Well, and it, I think there's some like it, it's almost like fingerprints, right? Like where the patterns on trout are, you'll never find one that's exactly right. the same as another one. Totally, it, totally unique to one another. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, some of these places, you know, I could take a I, t I take a lot of pictures of stuff, but if you go to the same stream next year and catch a big fish, you know, there's a chance it's the same fish, and if you look at those markings, they can match up. Like there's people always catching muskies and they can identify that it was recently caught because of, you know, birthmarks or scar or just their paint job or in general. Yeah. It's so cool, man. Like I, I used to take a lot of like real close ups of like just the pattern of a, of a Brown or a Brookie even. And, uh, just like i i used to have a couple of them printed in my old house and it was just cool man like the the patterns on some of those fish are so vibrant and so many different colors you know kind of like even like uh like a pumpkin seed bluegill oh yeah those yeah. Ones. yeah such a beautiful color i mean yeah. those are always so i mean even when they're small they look so yeah. cool with the blues and the purples the orange yellows and red i mean sure. it's such a neat fish to look at I'm a big panfish guy too. Those are just totally breathtaking. We don't, we have a lot of beautiful panfish in Iowa, but the ones down south and they're just absolutely gorgeous. But um, I'd like to thank you guys a lot for uh, having me this evening. Um, I'm yeah, a, always be happy to help you guys with anything, and you guys are yeah. always welcome in my area. And uh, I'd like to hang out with you guys soon. Soon. Hey man, we're Next the closest week. now. Jay Jay moved farther away from both of us. Yeah, it's true. So anytime you want to hang yeah. out, dude, I'm down just so we could take a selfie together <laughs> and I can send it to Jay and be like, "Yo, bro, you yeah. left. Look who I'm hanging out with." You know? Yeah, but you're gonna like be like near snakes, spiders. That's fine. That's fine. I got Tanner there. Tanner will be like my knight in yeah. shining armor. He's fearless. <laughs> I'm good with that, yeah. dude. Now I'll say, man, Tanner knows the area pretty well out there. It's, it, it, it's cool. Like, I mean, you were a good steward when I was out there. I mean, all the stuff we did. Um, there's just, you know, there's a lot people just don't realize like what's out in Iowa, and especially when you're, you know, homegrown or, or corn fed, so to speak. You know, from the area. I mean, it's like, you know, just some of the places we went were just like so amazing. You know, it's just so cool. Um, you know, just to experience it and everything. And me and you have been friends for a long time now. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. How many like, fast did we catch that first weekend that we hang, hung out? Yeah, it was in <laughs> Belved Belvedere Lake, right? Isn't yeah. that what it was? Dude, that was like, I was getting tired. <laughs> like, I was like, all right, I've got enough fish. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's funny to say that, but we truly were just smoking them that day. It was, and there was like nobody on the water. I mean, and that's Brian. If you really want to go to a cool lake, Go to yeah, we we've we've talked about that because it's it's got uh the trees and stuff in coming yeah. out of the water and you, things you like that. You can camp right off the uh, right off the launch too. That's awesome. I gotta share one little bit about that lake. That is actually going to be one of Iowa's next walleye destination lakes. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, they've been stocking walleyes in that for quite a few years. Um, I was actually ice fishing there, and the guy in the shed shanty next to me caught a 28 incher and uh oh, wow. at that time i knew there was walleye in there but i didn't know they were that big yet yeah, but, yeah. they did a study in iowa of all the best they wanted to start introducing walleyes mm -hmm. to another lake and um belvedere was really really suitable and yep. it's gonna be a good lake 
That's it. Is it really deep there? Um, there are some portions where it yeah. is mildly deep. I mean, I don't know, fifty feet deep, maybe might be yeah. the deepest. I'm not. I haven't been there, but there are. There is a lot of water yeah. there. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of That's trees. Cool. A lot of, it's crazy too, like yeah. how big these trees are, like and still sticking out of the water. Oh yeah, you might be yeah. surprised at how many are gone now since you've been there. I mean, really, a lot of that stuff is starting to deteriorate, but it's still underwater, as you would find out really yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> Great place to fish, though. I mean, it was, it was really neat. But I mean, that place is, uh, uh Brian, it's within four hours of where sure. you're at. Right. Um, but I mean, it's, it's probably it's less than that. Such a different place, you know, uh, that I've ever fished. You know, and that was a cool time, man. That was a lot. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, getting out there and and it's funny because like I've never seen anybody work a whopper plopper as fast as Tanner. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like literally, I think it was like a jet boat, and they were <laughs> slamming that thing, dude. Slamming that thing. Make it work for it. <laughs> oh my god! It had to be moving, huh? I like it. Like, like I said, um, you guys are always welcome here, and I'd always be glad to help you with these uh, paddle and fin podcasts. But um, I've got a river trip coming up this weekend, and today is actually my Friday, and I did a lot of work this week. Gotcha. Yeah, be doing the rest of my packing this evening. So if we could cut this short, I'd be really <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> like, not. We're gonna hold you up, bro. We're gonna hold you. We've up. never had anybody try to run off the podcast, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i like you guys but i gotta go yeah. <laughs> in the past two days at work i probably lifted five tons of material but oh I, jesus so man. i'm just like yeah yeah we totally of, get it man no we work. uh we appreciate you uh taking the time out to uh hop on with us tonight man real quick before you go though uh where can people follow you like what's your plug your social media is real quick because if you're not following tanner Go check out his Instagram. We pulled up a bunch of photos and stuff. And those listening on the podcast, I will put it in the show notes as well. Um, I think my Facebook handle is Tan Man Yak Fisher. Otherwise, you can just Google Tanner Spidell. Um, if you've got a fish in your photograph, I'll probably add you um, as part of being the outdoors <laughs> fishing type of stuff. But um, if anybody ever has any questions about Iowa, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I have some videos on YouTube too. I think it's just my name, Tanner Spidell. Um, it's nothing crazy. I just have some highlights of my catches and my trips and stuff, more or less. I don't really talk in my videos, but feel free to check them out. Like I said, if anybody has any questions about Iowa or you know what to expect when they go places, feel free to let me know. I'd be more than happy to help them out. Right on, man. Right on. We appreciate you. Go get some rest, finish your packing, have an epic weekend, dude, and catch that 24. I hope so. If not, it's okay. I hope my buddy catches some big fish. He doesn't fish as much as me. So when we're on these trips, sometimes it's like I want to see him take the big fish because he's yeah. going to get some good pictures of it. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Right on, man. We appreciate you, dude. Uh, good luck, and uh, we will catch up with you soon, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you, Tanner. Take it easy, man. Awesome, man. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Good still, stuff. I was going to say, there's still so much to talk to him about that. I mean, he hunts too and everything. I mean, he's, he, like I said, he's truly an outdoorsman. Like the stuff, even like, even to the extent of, you know, geological, you know, stuff like picking up rocks. And I mean, he like knows all kinds of stuff when you're out in the woods. 
you know, I was like, I feel like I'm totally lacking, you know, uh, I, I'm pretty sure if the lights go out, Tanner will survive, <laughs> <laughs> you know, me, eh, I, we're, 50, we're like 50, 50, I may have to steal some stuff, like, you know, but like, I don't know, but Tanner, dude, you throw him out in the middle of the woods. I think he's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's super unique, right? Because a guy like that is a guy I want to hang out with and spend some time in the woods to yep. learn those things, you know, and especially like, learning a whole new area so to speak you know like like he said he wants to know iowa like the back of his hand and it, it's mm -hmm. super cool to to be able to do that you know and and uh just the amount of time he spends out there exploring and stuff and, so and he's very he's seriously driven like yeah oh yeah, he, yeah when we were even on belvedere like he mentioned he was chasing like a, a 20 inch fish and he's like i'm not leaving here until i catch this fish <laughs> and i'm like Tanner, it's dark. Like, I'm like <laughs> I, I was like, there's like a forest we gotta pedal through. Like, get back. Yeah. like, I was like, and I'm dumb and don't have a headlamp, so I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's driven, man. I mean, he'll he'll just keep going and going and going. And I, I think that's one of the biggest attributes to him is he'll set his mind to something and then he just goes. Yeah, yeah he yeah. doesn't stop. You know, so that's and that's cool. why that's why you always see uh, results from him too. Yeah. Well, in his photography's on point, and mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it's one of those things. Like we talked uh, to JD last week with his company, Immersive, right? Like he's like, I want you to feel like you're immersed in the, the photo and what I'm doing, mm -hmm. and I get that feeling every time I look at Tanner's stuff. You know, yeah, he gets a lot of cool shots, a lot, really, really good stuff, yep. and. Uh, <clears throat> You know, it's just like you see his name pop up in your feed and you're like, all right, where's Tanner today? You know, and it's yep. it's cool to see that. I, I love following guys like that because I don't get out to adventure some of those things as much as I'd like to. So being able to to see it from somebody else's point of view as well is, uh, is super unique and cool. So, mm -hmm. But, well, Mr. Randall, another one in the books. Final yes, thoughts. No, it's cool talking to Tanner. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, you know, it's always good to hear his little adventures and everything because he's always doing something different. So it's cool, you know. And I, I would, man, I'd like to see him again. But man, it's gonna be a minute before I get anywhere. I know that. That's it, what happens when you move far, far away? Yeah, but now I'm in a vacation <laughs> destination. So now I can be like, because like you know, remember we've had this talk. You could never get anybody to come to Illinois. Nobody sure. wanted to come to Illinois. But now I'm in Tennessee. I I usually don't have that problem <laughs> because I'm on the Illinois Wisconsin border. That's true. Like I'm I just go, hey, bro, we drive ten minutes. We take a left out of my neighborhood and drive yeah. about ten minutes. We're over the Wisconsin, Wisconsin border. We're good. Yeah, we're good. I know. I was in <laughs> stupid Chicago suburbia. So yeah, nobody wants to go to Chicago. Yeah. I mean, no, no, like, does not. Not even people in Chicago want to be yeah, in Chicago. Murder capital of the world, basically. Yeah. You know, so no, but uh, no, it's it. Like I said, man, I was actually he knows, but I, like, I'd invite him out here too. I'm sure he'd come out here. And I mean, again, we got Watts Bar right down the. I mean, I would say what right down the street, but it's like 30 minutes from here. Sure, you know, sure, and sure, it's sure. like there's a lot of you know the you got the, so much stuff around. There's here. yeah, there's tons of you know uh, what is it a lot, a lot of destinations where some of the biggest fishing tournaments like hit within an hour, uh, like an hour's drive for me sure. for the most part. So, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, anyway, right yeah, on. man. So we, we got to go into hunting mode, I think. 
Rami said, uh, awesome podcast, guys. Can't wait for the next one. Appreciate Thank you, it, Rami. Yes, Appreciate sir. it, man. Good stuff, man. We will see you guys next week. We're here every Thursday live on Facebook and YouTube, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, 5 o'clock out on the West Coast. And if not, you can always pick it up on the old podcast platforms Thursday evening, Friday morning, whatever works for you. So hope you guys enjoyed that one. Uh, always great hearing from Tanner. And uh, we'll see you boys and girls on the next one. As always, tight lines. Smooth paddling. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures, your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.